0: Hi guys, Tomo Lovric and Sean Quigley here from What's Going On Here, the podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Player FM, Pod Directory, and Blueberry. So tune in and have some fun. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of What's Going On Here. My name is Tomo Lovric, and I'm known as T-Love in acupuncturist circles. And with me, as always, I have the dedicated, the yin-yang of the Transformers movement, the young, the powerful, the effervescent, the lovely, the sexy. Can I just say, what a sexy bastard this guy is oh, the young mr sean quigley aka the quig as he's known in funerary uh manager circles mm. how are you sir i'm
1: doing pretty good yeah not too bad yeah as we as we as we talked about before that i've seen so many bond films uh-huh. over the past few <laughs> weeks that's right that i can't help but having got sexier yeah what well, by osmosis I, I, f-
0: even my voice I, I, I was going to say, your voice is super sexy today. Yeah. Idris Elba, eat your heart out. Yeah. Huh?
1: Yeah. I know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what Ex- can I say?
0: Excellent. Excellent, my friend. Well, good to, ha- good to see you again. And uh, it's a lovely day here in the New York metro area. And to let you people know what we do, in case you don't and you just tuned in, we are a podcast where we watch little or unknown Uh, Or little scene and and uh, movies and TV shows that most people wouldn't see. And we watch them on Netflix, Hulu, wherever. Um, We try to pick foreign language when we can. And then we turn off all the subtitles and and, uh, any dubbing. And we watch the middle 20 minutes of it and try to figure out what's going on. And at the same time, we review adult beverages. However, we are now in a multi episode arc of our yearly special, which we started last year and we continue this year, which is the 2019 What's Going On Here Best Tournament, and we're reviewing the Bond movies. And this is our third episode of the Bond movie, so that's where we're picking up. Um, last time we determined the winner of the Money, pa- Money Penny region, which for those of you that want to find out, we have the, the photos posted on. Instagram and Facebook, so you can look it up and play along. Mm-hmm. And the winner of the Money Penny region was "Tomorrow Never Dies" with Pierce Brosnan and Michelle Yeoh, which was in what was it? 1997. That movie came out. Yeah. So that's our winner, and that one goes on to the Sweet Sixteen entry playoffs to face on Her Majesty's Secret Service with George Lazenby from 1969. And um, so we're going to pick up with the uh, M region, lower tier brackets, to determine the next entrant into the Sweet 16 entry playoffs that will face The World Is Not Enough, also another Pierce Brosnan movie. And our beer for today, And we're going for beer. So this is what we're doing. We did beers and ciders so far because we're in the lower tier. When we get to the Sweet 16, which is all the more successful movies, we're going to start getting into the Bond drinks, a.k.a. the martinis. Uh-huh. And there are several martinis to look at. Mostly it's the vodka martini. But apparently the Vesper martini is a popular one. For whatever reason. And the I difference being... Was,
1: wasn't it, it was literally created since the Casino Royale movie? It named after Vesper Lind.
0: Yes, yes. Because he said he would name it the Vesper. Yeah. Which he made it the standard gin with a little bit of vodka and then the vermouth. Mm-hmm. As opposed to Connery who started it most famously in... Goldfinger. Uh-huh. But there was, I believe. Did he ever? I don't think he did it in Doctor No or in Um Thunderbolt. They didn't introduce the vodka Martini as his drink per se. He was always drinking. Yeah. It was like he'd walk into a hotel and said, We have your drink for you. And there's like a bottle of booze, like right there. It's like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And it might have been from was it in From Russia with Love? I don't remember. I can't remember. I can't remember, I remember
1: it that it was like when they redid it with Daniel Craig later on. It, 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 some, there was a guy at a bar, a hotel bar or something, said no. that they were going to knock something up for him.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. said
1: something about the shake and Not Stirred thing. They didn't say shake and Not Stirred, but no. they said something about the way they were preparing it. And he was like, oh, whatever, sounds fine, whatever. That's right.
0: That was at the bar in Casino Royale. And then he kind of went and worked on it when he was flying to South America with uh, the guy from Casino Royale that he originally thought sold him out, but didn't. Yeah, but this- and on the airplane, he was making it. He was like a three-parts beat feeder gin, a part of uh, vodka, uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. So, but But you're right. In Casino Royale, he said, I'm going to call this the Vesper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, today we're doing, so, so today we're doing Low Earth Orbit uh, from our friends at the Elementary uh, Brewing Company in Hackensack, New Jersey, in Voorhees Lane. This is a stout. It is 6.7% ABV with 15 IBUs. And one of the reasons we picked this today is to honor the fact that the first pictures of a black hole were released today. Yes. So we're kind of getting scientific-y a little bit today. And we could totally see a Bond episode about a black hole. Oh yeah. For sure. I mean Moonraker almost like right there already.
1: Are you well, you it it's perfect. You'd have some crazy guy who's harnessing the power of a black hole. Yeah. He's gonna, you know, bring the world into you know, the whatever the a dangerous nearance to a black hole. Yeah. Or, it, you know.
0: it always kills me with the villains in the Bond movies that they always are threatening things like, if you don't do this, you will, you know, you will give us a hundred million dollars or we will blow this up. And I'm like, you guys probably needed like 500 million just to set up all your fucking shit and gears. Like, what do you need a hundred million dollars for? You obviously have the money, otherwise you wouldn't be able to set all of this up. Yeah. But it's kind of like, you know, it's like Moonraker. I will do this. Now. Huh? What? And that's a funny, I, we'll get to that. Anyway. Yeah. The real the real star of the show is the drink. So let's let's crack these suckers open and uh-huh. give it a taste, yeah? Sound effects for our populace. I'm very excited about this episode because we're really getting into the the, the the Bond mythos. There we go. Cheers, my friend. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh very nice. This is this is very nice. Oh, you could definitely you could definitely taste the chocolate malts in this one.
1: Yeah. I feel like maybe there's a missing scene in almost definitely a Roger Moore movie where he ends up accidentally drinking out and they're making some terrible racist
0: joke about the irish <laughs> i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure <laughs> because he's like,
1: like literally he's hiding in a bar someone's on the lookout for him and he's like do, do, do. and then they're looking everywhere he's like oh, i don't know what to do and then suddenly he grabs a glass from like a table turns around and someone looks at him and they're like have you seen bond and he goes he, with his with his stat and he's like me, Bond, no, my name is Paddy McNeary. <laughs> Hi, NBC, no Bond. Will you have a drink with me? And they're like, oh. And then he's like, oh. He's like, luck of the Irish. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> some
0: campy thing like they always did. And then
1: a real guy who is this doppelganger comes out of the bathroom, and that is the real Paddy McNeary. <laughs> so even know about it. And then he makes some sort of look at him, and he's like,
0: oh. That's right. Yeah.
1: Get <laughs> old. Good old. Roger Moore. Good
0: old Roger Moore. So speaking of Roger Moore, so we're doing the M brackets region. And uh, like I said, we post these online uh, so people can look at the brackets and try to figure out. And of course, obviously, because it's such an odd number, we went through 26 movies uh, or we're going through 26 movies because there are 24 official Bond movies, two unofficial. One of them being The Spoof with Woody Allen and Peter Sellers and uh, 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 Orson Welles. The first Casino Royale, which was done, and David Niven being Bond in 67. And the other unofficial movie was Sean Connery's remake of Thunderball, it was Never Say Never Again. Mm-hmm. So, uh, today's uh, brackets, the lower, the M region, we have four movies. We have For Your Eyes Only, Roger Moore, 1981, a View to a, Versus Of a You To A Kill, Roger Moore, 1985. And The Man with the Golden Gun, Roger Moore, 1974, versus Octopussy, 1983. So, it's it's basically a Roger Moore bracket. Yeah. And, of course, we did... uh, When we gave the rankings for the movies, we adjusted for inflation. Because, obviously, we're looking at almost uh, 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 60 years worth of movies. And so, we listed them according to who made the most money. And... For Your Eyes Only is a 17. Uh, View to a Kill is a 24. The Man with the Golden Gun is a 19. And Octopussy is a 22. So, uh, I guess we start at the top. For Your Eyes Only versus of View to a Kill. Yes. Alright. So, let's go For Your Eyes Only. That was Moore's third? Uh, uh, no. No. Uh, Moonraker was in 79. Live and Let Die was... 73, so that was his first one, right?
1: The Man with the Golden Gun is the
0: third. The Man with the Golden Gun was third. 74, so he did 73, 74, 79? Was there a five-year game? Are we forgetting one? Uh, no, The Spy Who Loved Me, 77, yes.
1: The Moonraker.
0: Well, Moonraker oh, 79. Oh, yeah. Um, so then... 73, 74, 77, 79, 81. So that's the fifth Roger Moore movie. Yeah, that's his
1: penultimate one.
0: And A View to a Kill is the last one. Yeah. So, For Your Eyes Only, that's, that was his big debut. No, duh, why am I saying big debut? For Your Eyes Only was, like we said, his fifth movie. A View to a Kill was his last movie. I really enjoyed For Your Eyes Only. I remember rewatching it and like the underwater scenes were actually very, really drew me in. I was like, like you know, kind of like on pins and needles, like what, what what's going to happen? Because uh-huh. again, I hadn't seen it in a while, forgot it. It was done really well. I'm trying to remember what the opening was because the openings were always like fun with uh, more. And I'm trying to remember what the opening was for... Uh, um, for your eyes only.
1: I can't even remember which film this was. I said this. I'm going to get confused to the films. Well, who was the bad in this? Is this the Atlantis one?
0: This no, no, no. no. Oh, the Atlantis one. The yeah. Atlantis one is. This is the one that I was going to tell you. This has a double crossover for um, the Last Crusade. And I'm going to look up the actors right now. Elsa and. Uh, Oh, watch this face. We're both in this movie. No. Was she in this movie? No, no. Yes, I... No, no, no. No. She was in... No, no, no. She was in... I'm sorry. She was in... A, yes, yes. She was in A View to a Kill. She was in A View to a Kill. Elsa from The Last Crusade mm-hmm. was in A View to a Kill. And for your eyes only, the bad guy... Um, was, um, he played the Greek guy, and there were two Greek guys that were different factions. Tokal? Was that? Uh, hold on, I'm I gonna tell you in a second. Um, uh, he was also in-, in Star Wars, and he played the guy in the Game of Thrones. In,
1: uh, huh.
0: Um,. Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! What's 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 the character's name? Um, <coughs> was it Denim Elliott? Is that the actor's name?
1: Denim Elliot. Marcus?
0: Marcus. Oh no 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 no, 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 no not, not Marcus! Marcus is not the bad guy. No. Uh, yeah, I'm getting I'm getting my actors all. Uh, Walter. Don- the guy who played Walter Donovan.
1: Oh, Donovan.
0: Yes. The guy who played Walter. Julian Glover. That's his bloody name.
1: Oh, oh Julian Glover. He Yay. plays the
0: bad guy in A View to a Kill. Yeah. And Elsa, who is... Um, what's her name? Oh, Why don't they list her? Alison Doody. She was one of the... She was one of Walken's girls. Like, there was a she, white girl and a yeah. Chinese or Asian girl. I missed her. They were well, I noticed it because I was rewatching it again. And, like I said, when you rewatch it just to kind of try yeah, to yeah. analyze it, you're noticing all these things. And I was like, Hey, wait a minute, that's Elsa Schneider. What the hell is she doing in here? And I totally forgot. And it makes sense in terms of timeline, yeah, yeah, you know, like they were that they were hiring these people and all that.
1: I, I was reading Narclo, I was looking up about a view to kill, and it is so creepy. And it really brings home one of the one of the big parts especially the Roger Moore movies, especially View to a Kill, it gets a little like uh the the lead Bond girl in View to a Kill.
0: Tanya she, Roberts. Yeah. yeah
1: She uh very young. I mean that movie, Roger Moore is fifty-seven in that movie. Which is crazy. I was reading an article yeah. that was written in twenty
0: twelve. Fifty eight I think. Well fifty seven when it was filmed probably yeah, but fifty eight when it was released. Yeah, yeah.
1: an and was written in twenty twelve which is probably when Skyfall came out, I think, and they were talking about the Bond movies and Go Back in Time. Yeah. They said, just to show you how crazy it was back then, Tanya Roberts, Uh in 2012, was the same age Roger Moore was in View to a Kill. I was like, oh, that is weird.
0: Wow. (laughs) So how old? She must have been in her early
1: 20s. Yeah, she's really young. She's like 62 now or something.
0: It's funny, too, because I remember watching it Roger Moore's acting was good. Walking was pretty. Everyone was fairly good in a view to. Was
1: that he was kind of dialing it in? Walking, it was not a walking esque
0: performance. No, it wasn't. But I think that's you know, it's so hard to judge.
1: I think I think he was a little bit anxious about the fact that I think in the script at least he's not supposed to be American. They never mention. what what nationality he's supposed to be other than...
0: The KGB raised him.
1: KGB raised him and his mother was in a concentration camp in Nazi Germany. He was an experiment by the Nazis. Right. So you assume she was Polish, German, something like that. Something. He has an American accent. And the reason I think like, oh, they definitely... Because when they first spy them out, they're first looking at them and they have like M and Q in their ascot, where they are, and they're looking at...
0: Right. They at the horse them. races. They look at them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they
1: specifically, and they say like, oh, there's blah, blah, he's blah, blah. And they, then they talk about Mayday and they say, there's not much we know about her except that she's an American. And they'd say specifically, she's American. And I'm like, well, yeah, they have to say it because Grace Jones is not going to be anything but Grace Jones. That's right, it. right, She's right. American. Right. I but they don't say anything about walking. So then, because before he speaks, so I was thinking, like, oh, what if he does an accent then in this? He, he do- doesn't. He, he doesn't. So, and I was surprised huh. at that.
0: He, he almost does like this almost like pan-Atlantic thing at times where he really, he speaks with an American accent, but he does slap his T's a little bit, yeah. you know, and does, instead of, you know, where the American English is more like the T's are a little more like D's because they're really soft and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um... I, I want to say that they mentioned at some point that he spoke several languages. Yes. Because cause like the name was Zorn. Yeah. And I believe they introduced him as a French industrialist. Huh. Okay. I believe so. But it was, of course, if they tried to have walk do it, would have been sillier than his character on Saturday Night Live with the gloves. Like, yeah. uh, I am here to rule the world and uh, everyone will be, <laughs> you know, it would just look really silly. Yeah. But I believe they said he was a French industrialist.
1: Huh.
0: But it was one of those things because, you know, in the whole... Spy, and I think that's what they were trying to allude to or trying to, 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 to sell that to the public. In the whole any kind of spy genre or spy books or whatever, the good spy is an immersive spy. Yeah. You know, it's uh, the Americans is like the perfect example of something like that where they are so immersed that you can't, from talking to them, think they are anything but people from your country. Yeah. Because their language, their mannerisms, their cultural immersion, all of it is on point.
1: Which is the opposite of Roger Moore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's the opposite of Bond. Because yeah. let's We're face it, the, the, ultimate, the ultimate James Bond, really, yeah. is Vladimir Putin.
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, honestly. Because uh, he was a KGB agent who worked his way up. And the Soviet Union, right, one of the biggest... Empires, let's call it what it is, that the planet has ever seen, especially in terms of military might and whatever, collapsed. And this very unassuming looking dude yep. takes over and now has ruled the country for, since Yeltsin? Yeah. Honestly? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? So it's been, what, 20 years? So And you look at him, there's, there's nothing that he stands out with. He's an ordinary guy. If he walked by on the subway, you wouldn't even blink twice. Uh-huh. You'd be like, whatever, he's just some schmuck guy. Short guy, kind of balding, regular face, nothing at all memorable about him. And when you th- when you see people who like interview who used to be spies, and when you look at them, you're like, I, I think I saw this dude at the checkout at my supermarket. It's uh-huh. like, yes, they're not supposed to be super hot. They're not supposed to be super, you know, where you walk into a room and every woman turns her head on you. Yeah. Like, that's not a spy. That's like, a, <laughs> I, I, unless you're doing it very much in, under... Like a particular mission or whatever, like you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah. we're like Zoolander. We want to infiltrate all the good-looking people, so you got to find somebody good-looking and send yeah. them. But a successful spy is somebody who doesn't stand out at all. What well, and
1: I think the, the, for being undercover or like the most spy-like in that regard, right? For me, I mean Connery and Lazenby mm. are the best because Connery, even though obviously he's got this strong accent, you know, he doesn't fit in where he is. Wherever he is in, right, he has this element of he kind of looks like a guy that just happens to be there. He kind of has this loose kind of like, Whoa, it was just here in the area and this stuff is happening around me. Kind (laughs) of, and he kind of every time he pops up in the films, yeah, it's kind of surprised. He kind of takes people by surprise, they're like, Oh, you're here as well, right? It's like, Huh, he kind of pops up, doesn't leave a trail of disasters, like, Oh, he's here again, this guy, yeah. Nicholas, uh, Nicholas Lazenby, George Lazenby pretty much literally sticks to exactly where he should be the whole time in his movie. Right. Like, he doesn't go gallivanting. No. He actually spends half the movie undercover yes. as a different guy entirely.
0: Yes. Which was really, really interesting. Yeah, they've yes. never done that before. But that, like, but you... that's the whole thing, like, with Moore. Moore was a, a too good-looking for the role. Like, yeah. I'll still say, like, of all the Bonds, he's probably the best-looking one. Because yeah. in the first bloody Bond, he's 40... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 73, right? Yeah. So he's 40 six 47 years old yeah and you're like god damn, you look really fucking good for a 46 year old guy yeah even yeah. in the last one you took it was 57 and like, you wouldn't think great oh, oh especially like as long as he has all his yeah. clothes on you would be like well i would say late 40s you know it's like he looked fantastic yeah, he yeah, really man. really did but
1: uh, connie by the time he got 57 was not on his best legs i mean it, by the time he was 57 i think he was like last crusade
0: no, he was older than that. In, 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 well, know. he was... Last Crusade was 89, right? 88, 89? Yeah. So Connery would be... Oh, 59, you're right.
1: Yeah, yeah 59. And when he made it, it was probably a year sooner. So yeah, yeah, 58. You're, you're right. basically the same age. That's right. Can you imagine what he looked like in that movie compared to what Rushmore looked like if you in him. Yeah.
0: Yeah, think about yeah. it. Yeah, the right. Because that was the big, that was the big complaint that Ford had, Harrison Ford. Was like, how's this guy gonna play my fucking father? He's like three years older than. Yeah. Me. By and that he, point,
1: I mean, he wasn't that. I think he was. I think I think it was ten years between. Them, I think. I think Harrison Ford was about 47, 48 in the last.
0: Eighty-nine. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Harrison Ford was forty-seven. I think in eighty-nine. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Who's <laughs> another guy? Who looks great. You know.
0: 49. Yeah. Oh yeah, Harrison Ford was almost unchanged from. I want to say Temple of Doom. Yeah. Through like the, uh, uh, um, the Fugitive. Yeah. Like, and the only reason he looked old in The Fugitive because the movie started with a big freaking bushy beard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You right. know, and then he shaved it, and you can, like, okay, he, but, he, you know, he looked a little bit older. You know, there's a few more wrinkles, that kind of stuff. But, and that's the thing. It, it's funny. Like, for a lot of guys, like Paul Rudd now is, is the famous example. Oh, yeah. I just saw a picture of him. When he was 39 and 49. And I was like, the fuck do you drink the blood of virgins? What the fuck, guys? Like, how, how do you look like that, you know?
1: He's very... I just rewatched. I just watched the first time, actually, the sequel, the Ant-Man sequel, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yes. And I looked it up and I was like, that is where He is exactly in between age What He is 10 years older than Evangelina Lilly. Yes. And 10 years younger than Michelle Pfeiffer. Right. So it it's right in the middle. So I'm like, he could... Date either of them, yep. and it's the same age gap. Yep, <laughs> I was like, weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So, so yeah, a view to a kill. In terms of the movies now, of the Roger Moore movies, it's the one that made the least money. Oddly enough, and that's why it's listed number twenty-four.
1: I think a lot of that has to do with the amount of money they put into it. Because for me, a view to a kill was the first movie I watched. That there is a remarkable difference. And it may not be less necessarily them or the money they put in, but just filmmaking in general. By the time we get to 1985, mm. movies look good. Like the, the, if you watch it, like the begin, like from the open, like, just the quality of the cameras, like the, the, the everything, right. looks cinematography, modern. Yeah, it's like a modern film at that yes. point. I'm like okay, because even the one before, Octopussy, uh, Octopussy still had that tinge, that kind of sepia tinge to it. That they brought you to kill suddenly it was sharper and yeah. it looks more modern. Yeah. So I think there's probably they put a lot more money into it. I'm not sure. Probably.
0: Well, no, no. This isn't on like how much money they made. This is just gross. Oh, it's just gross. This oh, okay. is gross, yeah. This isn't like how much profit they made. Yeah, this yeah. is this is gross tickets. Interesting. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, by that point, Bond had started to lose its cachet.
0: Right. Well, Spielberg people was... were losing interest in Bond because let's face it, yeah. between. Between for your eyes only, in 81, when yeah. Bond still had Cash, and 85, they squeezed in two Bond movies. 83 was sabotaged by <laughs> Never Say Never Again. Yeah. So there were two Bond movies in one year, right? Um, and then you had, what are the movies that came out back then? E.T. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm trying to think of other iconic movies from back then. Uh, Gremlins. You know, all these... Yeah. Mo- uh, uh, Back to the future. I mean, it was just...
1: Well, the blockbuster was bought. Spielberg invented the blockbuster
0: yeah. with Jaws. Yes.
1: When was that? 78? Something like that? Something like that. Th- that invented it. Uh, everything after that changed box office and movies. It changed it.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, oh, well... Star were... Wars was the big... Star Wars was the lead-in it in the 77. Lead-in,
1: but then Spielberg really like created the blockbuster.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, with, with with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm. E. Actually, I should say E.T. first. I think. apparently,
1: I was reading an article and he was saying he really wanted to do a Bond movie. One of his biggest ambitions off the back of Jaws was to do a Bond he said, movie. what would you do? He really wanted to direct a Bond movie. And they, and they didn't give it to him because they didn't want to give it to an American, young American like, director because they were like, oh, this guy's, this isn't what Bond is. And then he said, and they, someone that went back to me, he was like, you know, I want to do it. And they said, no, but, you know, even if they come back now and say, "Will you do it. I'm not going to because I'm about to make my own version of what I would do. And I think it's a lot better. And right. That basically, was Indiana Jones. Mm. Raising the Lost Ark. And then Indiana Jones was kind of the American answer to James
0: Bond. and Albeit you know, in a very different kind of genre.
1: Yeah. Although they're going to try and do it now, I think is the plan. They're going to try and reinvent the, you know, that saga version of bringing different actors. And they dropped the ball with that. They should have done that. Earlier with, and then they could have had a Bond style saga, I think.
0: What with uh, Indiana Jones, you mean? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah,
1: they should have dropped Kingdom of the Christmas Carol, shouldn't have happened. They no, should no, have, no, just, that should definitely not have happened. They should have brought a brand new movie in, yeah, stick a new guy in, yeah, bang.
0: They should have um, because there are so many stories to tell, yeah. I mean, just think about it every archaeol, every mythological legend, yeah, yeah, in the world ever. You, you, you have an endless, yeah, a, a choice of, of material to pick from. You really do. Like across continents, everywhere. Yeah. You know, there could be some Australian treasure. There could be some New Zealand treasure. There could be, a, a, there could be multiple Asian treasures a Japanese one, a Chinese one, a Thai one, you know, uh, 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 Indian treasures, you know, which they sort of did with Temple of Doom. But, you know, Africa, forget it. It's crazy. Which they I thought can, was
1: very interesting when I talked to Pussy. It came out very similar times to Temple of Doom. Yes, and I was like, there is a lot of crossover, and not just those. A lot of these more movies have a lot of crossover with the Jones. But it,
0: it, but it's 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 all of this. I mean, Hollywood is not, Hollywood very much mimics co- the corporate world because mm-hmm. let's face it. And and I, I was telling you this. I, I did a movie shoot in a student film in December, and they were talking about the studios and oh, all, and the studios, you know, like with the. There was a conversation of. Uh, the studio's not caring so much about the art. And I was like, well, here's you have to approach this from their perspective. Movie studios are not in the business of making movies. They're in the business of making money. Yeah. They're just giant investment houses. Because they want a movie. That's why Jordan Peele is like the best thing since sliced bread right now. Because he made Get Out for whatever, you know, $20 million. And it made 150 Yeah, It's like, that's a, a, a inc- much better return than anything you'll find on Wall Street ever. Yeah. Because, you know, if you give a dollar and you make back, you know, uh, $8, everyone's going to, wait a minute, you just made 800%, you, you'd you be the king of Wall Street yeah. all the time. And that's what these studios are. They're just investment houses. They have a lot of money, and they give you money. <laughs> they they give you whatever your budget is with the hopes of returning your. The, why Marvel is what it is. Mm. They have... 22 movies, and they've made $20 billion. Yeah. You know, you're basically making the kind of money that freaking pharma, American pharma makes. Yeah. Whereas like Pfizer back in the day, when Pfizer came out with Viagra, Viagra, it was like instantly made the first year, I think like some $2 billion in sales. And they had their top 10 drugs were all making a billion dollars and more. And this is why farmer could do whatever the hell they want. They had every politician in their pocket, you know, whatever, because they're just making so much money that people, and so movies, that's the thing. Movie studios don't care about the art. Yeah, it's nice to make a really nice story and you want to stick it together, but there's a reason why these guys get their fingers in everything and there's 30 rewrites on a script and whatever, because they're not in the business of making art. They're in the business of making money. And that's just what it is. If you could come to terms with that, the business side of it, you'll be able to handle everything else. Yeah. You know, it's not a personal thing. Look, I'm making money. You know, it's mm-hmm. like that's why I did it. You know, you don't buy stocks to be generous. You buy stocks with the, you know, hope that you're going to make money in return. You know, you don't buy an investment property, quote unquote, because you just want to ha- house some people. Mm. <laughs> you're tr- hoping to make some money from housing people. You know, I mean, it, it, yeah. it's one of these things. And I think, it, I mean, in terms of that, I think that the Bond movies are ridiculously successful. Because they've also kind of been, now granted, it's been all over time, but they made some like $20 billion. Yeah. There's a reason why Bond movies keep coming out, because they're so appealing. They're, we talked about this before. The cars, the women, you know. It's just like, and, and like I said, the most universal thing with guys, every culture, and I don't care how third world, first world, developed nation, undeveloped nation it is. You show a guy a freaking machine that goes really fast, <laughs> you're gonna talk about it. Yeah, like guys will literally be at each other's throats, and if you're like, what? Well, hey, here, have a beer. Let's talk about this car. It's got 400 horsepower. Fuck, that's a nice car. I mean, yeah. everything will stop, and they'll talk about the car. And 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 uh, um, the uh, a view to a kill in in that manner, like you said. I think once they. Once they, uh, 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 the cinematography got better, all of that. Mm. But I think the biggest thing was, because that was, at that point MTV was a thing, you know, was the new, was, what was MTV, were like three years old at that point or something like that. It was a lot about like poking fun. It was like, oh, Roger Moore, he's 57 <coughs> years old. What's a 57 year old spy going to do? Yeah. And it's kind of like, yeah, what is a 57 year old spy going to do? Mm-hmm. At this point, he should be M. Yeah, <laughs> I mean honestly, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, So, um, in and that
1: it one, it's very telling out because *Beautiful Kill* is also the last movie with uh, Lois Max Maxwell playing uh, Money Penny. Yes, and she's the same age as Roger Moore. Yes, and funny, they actually they're at RADA together at the same time. They were classmates. They were both studied.
0: But you know what's the thing that, I, and I don't know if I mentioned it last time or not. Uh, when I first started watching, I was like, "Wait, what?" it's like why does money penny sound american
1: she's canadian yeah. She's Canadian. Yeah.
0: and i was just like wait a minute money penny's not speaking with an rp accent at all and you're right yeah and i was just like hey it never occurred you know like your memory gets lost and i was just like wait a minute the later money pennies yes they're very british everything's very british yeah. but she was not at all yeah and like i said it completely threw me when i started watching them again i was like wait a minute what what and I think what she made her first appearance in For Russia with Love*, I believe, because uh, she was he, she was the one. Well, no, Desmond Llewellyn was the longest, and I think he was in *From Russia with Love*, because he went all the way through Pierce yeah, yeah, Brosnan's yeah. movies. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, she was. I think. Yeah, I guess they started at the same time, but she stopped with with *With a View to a Kill*.
1: Hmm. But it's funny because they're the same age, and her in that in that movie, she looks like a fifty-seven-year-old woman. Yeah, she does. And it's interesting because the juxtaposition of him and her yes. is very odd because yes. you're like, huh, yes. you know, it looks like she's getting older but he isn't. Yes. Because they even bring in the other, like the assistant and he makes a joke about it and yes. gives her the big thing of flowers. And
0: and gives, it, yeah, yeah, and she's just like, whatever, you know, yeah, like yeah. promises, unkept kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because she was in in um, also like bawling her eyes out at the end of um, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah, she
1: had a really nice turn there.
0: That was really well done. Yeah. I really enjoyed that about that, that yeah. the portion of the movie where they showed that, like, there really was a thing oh, between yeah. them. Humber, totally, yeah. And he really he was like, if I'm going to settle down, this is the girl for me kind of stuff. But this one that's just a little bit more for me came along. It was really, that was really well done. But View to a Kill. I thought the plot was fun. I thought Tanya Roberts's acting was a little over the top. Yeah. Not so good. Yeah, <laughs> Grace Jones was terrible. She was great because she didn't say anything most of the movie, so she was fantastic in those parts. But at the end it's like, get him for me! You know, just like, um, okay. Like I said, Dr. Elsa Schneider was in there, but she perished as well in the mines. Um
1: I think Walken's a good presence. I think he looks great. He looks great. He's at the peak of his like look. Yes, and uh, he, he
0: actually the peak of his look. Uh, I have a. I don't know if you ever saw it, uh-huh. King of New York. No, no. <gasps> <clears throat> that is an under the radar movie that is fantastic, like yeah. street crime movie. Uh-huh. And he basically plays a drug dealer, mm. and um, what's his face from from NYPD Blue. The red-headed guy, I forget his name. Anyway, oh, yeah. he and Wesley Snipes are cops, uh-huh. and they're trying to nail him down. Lawrence Fishburne plays his one of his lieutenants, Huh. Christopher Walken, King of New York. It's a really, really good movie, very oh, gritty, yeah. right along the, uh, the lines of, I don't know if you ever saw it with um, uh, Keanu Reeves' uh, Street Kings.
1: Oh uh, Yeah, I saw that, a little bit of that, I think. I didn't see the whole movie.
0: That was a fun... That was yeah, a good yeah. movie. It, it's, right along, it's right there with Training Day. It's these like yeah. really gritty cop movies like Walking the Line, Am I Corrupt, Am I Not Corrupt, that kind of stuff. So it was really good. But anyway, yeah, Christopher Walken in this was really fantastic. Um, I loved... I loved... Actually, I have to say... Uh, and I forget the actor's name from the Avengers, the original Avengers.
1: I was going to say, yeah, uh, Steve. Um, uh, oh, what's his name? Crazy.
0: Uh... Oh, God. And wasn't she... Uh, Wasn't from... uh On Her Majesty's Secret Service, wasn't she... Diana Rigg, yeah. Diana Rigg, she was like the other Avenger. Yeah, yeah. she
1: was the most famous assistant.
0: Right. She was the second one.
1: It was in, in that movie, there's two Steve's assistants in that movie. Diana Rigg is the most famous one. She played Emma Peel. Right. And then Joanna Lumley plays one of the girls in Her Majesty's Secret Service. And she... Was the last assistant in the Avengers when they rebranded it called it the New Avengers? Right. She was the assistant in that it never did very well. Joanna Lumley went on to she's huge, huge in England. Everyone knows she was in a sitcom called Absolutely Fabulous.
0: I mm. <clears clears throat> <throat> love that, pap. which a big thing. Yeah, Patsy.
1: she was in a match, success as one of the girls as well. She was very young, very young. She
0: was, yeah. which one was
1: she? Totally, she, she was English, she had like two lines. She just was she the, the first one to sleep with him? No, she didn't sleep with him. Okay, I don't think maybe she did.
0: No, no well, she maybe because he was like sneaking out. Every of... <laughs> and well, anyway, yeah, let, let, let's get back to a view to a kill and for your eyes only. View to a kill.
1: But yeah, Steve was great in it. I mean, he was really good.
0: Uh, Patrick
1: Mcnee, Patrick Mcnee, And he was sneaking around like a spy. He was yes. doing everything. It was, I love that, that. The back and forth with him as this man yes. So that was really it good. It was
0: fantastic. It was really well done. And it's funny, in the early movies... My
1: man will get those bags for me.
0: That's right. Chop, chop! Hurry up, Timit, Timit, Tim it. Tim it. This way, Timit, Timit. Yes, <laughs> it was
1: really well done. <laughs> and
0: obviously, he was enjoying himself doing it. The, oh, yeah. the chemistry was really fantastic. They were with,
1: about the same age. That
0: was the yeah, other exactly, exactly. Um, that was the other thing that they kind of lost a bit with the Roger Moore movies, hmm. where initially in the early Sean Connery movies, he always had somebody helping him. Yeah, and they kind of went away from it for a while, where it was just Roger Moore. You know, yeah, um, like in in For Your Eyes Only, um, but you know what? I, no, I, I shouldn't say that. The, he always had some assistance, and the hapless assistant always died because in Octopus, he had the help from the division, eye division. You know, yeah. oh, this should keep you in Curry for a few weeks, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um the
1: guy the uh the the police chief the the uh, southern guy from
0: yeah 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 yeah. so yeah you know if you took uh, that was really well done it was a really nice nod to patrick Mcnee. i thought that he was in there that whole section i was a big fan of
1: as i was watching it i was like i think i really like this film the opening you know 45 minutes maybe i like the whole i what i love most about bond is when he is mixing with the upper crust. Yes. I love the style of it. Yes. Whether it's a casino. Right. Or a grand hotel. Right. Like this Ascot and the horse racing. Right, right, right. Because it just, the suave just melts out. Just, yes. You know, especially Roger Moore. See, Roger Moore in particular. trying. Yes. Roger Moore is the most suave Bond. Yes. Anyone oh, for sure. tell you, he was the most Bond-like in that regard of any of the Bonds. Yes. Like he is, you could see, up until like the year he died, he was that guy. Totally. Like he was exactly the same, in the whole, the Ta-
0: Roger Moore was the kind of guy that you wish you had known in your 20s.
1: Oh, apparently he was a great guy. I heard a lot of good stories. Oh, he just a good person. Did you hear the story It came out shortly after he died? It was the most amazing story. It was shared all over the place. It was one of those that didn't come out when he was live, but after he died, someone told it. Uh-huh. And it was so perfect. I loved it. Where it was, the story was by a guy who was now a film producer and a screenwriter. Uh-huh. But at the time, I think it was after the first or second Roger Moore movie had come out. Uh-huh. He saw Roger Moore in an airport when he was going on holiday. Uh-huh. And he said to his dad, he said, oh, that's James, that, oh, this, James Bond over there. Like, oh, he's, he's famous. Like, oh, I wish I could meet him and get his autograph. Uh-huh. But I'm too shy. And the dad didn't know who he was. Right. The dad was like working class man. He's like, "Oh, whatever. He's like, fine, I'll go say something. Goes over to Roger Moore he's like, you're like, Oi. hey, you, <laughs> Oi. apparently my son says you're someone famous, like an actor or something. Can you sign a thing for him? And he was like, yeah, of course, not a problem, you know. And he signs it. Um, <laughs> and he goes, he's like, oh, thanks, or whatever. Goes back to his son and he gives him a thing. He's like, yeah. And the son looks at it and he sees that he signed it Roger Moore. And he's like, oh, wait a second, there's a mistake. This isn't right. It can't be the right guy. And he's like, what do you mean? He says, because he's James, his name's James Bond. (laughs) And (laughs) he's signed, this isn't James Bond. And the dad says, oh, give it to me goes straight back over to Roger Moore. Says, "Look, my son says that you're not the person he thought he was. Apparently, he'd never heard of James Bond. The dad. He apparently 'Apparently, you're supposed what? to.'
0: Did he live in a hole? Who the fuck is I mean, his this dad? Is the seventies. Okay. And if his
1: dad's in his like forties or fifties, okay. like, I guess he's like he didn't watch those movies. Okay. And he's like, you know, he's like, Who he says you're supposed to be this James Bond fell? and you've signed it, so whatever this is, Roger Moore. What's like, this? Much? You sign the wrong name. And then Roger Moore takes a moment, realizes he's like okay and he says he's, uh, not a problem I'm, I'm come and have a word with your son goes over the son he's like a young kid at the time like right. 7 or 8 Yeah, yeah goes yeah, up yeah. to him signs it again yeah. James Bond and he bends down and he whispers so only you can hear he says he says uh, of course I'm James Bond you know I'm James Bond but I wrote this name this is a fake name that I use and I do it when I'm in public because you never know when Blofeld is on the lookout so I'd really appreciate it if you don't blow my cover.
0: <laughs> and
1: then the the boy is like,
0: Oh my yeah, god yeah,
1: yeah. And then he goes off and he's like that was amazing and This guy let it grow up to be and and he ended up um he ended up later on in life working on a movie and Roger Moore was in the movie for like a day he had a walk on park. Right, right. Roger Moore right. at this point is in his seventies. Right. He's a lot older he goes up he told a few other people this and they said oh that's, you should tell him you should tell him he's like oh I don't want to tell him to it's too <laughs> right. embarrassing right 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 and uh, it, it gets out and Roger Moore comes out to him one day at like the catering he's like yeah. oh you, you You have some sort of story or something people say you want he's like oh god it's really embarrassing and he says what well, and he recites the story right and Roger Moore looks and he kind of takes a moment and he goes oh I'm really sorry I don't I don't and there's remember. A, he's like at a table and there's a few people there he says, "Like, oh, I'm really sorry. I don't remember that, but that's a that's a great story. So, like, I'm sure it happened, but like, that's a that's a really great story, and uh, it's lovely to meet you again, and you know, whatever else." And he goes off. And then the last day of that he was on filming, uh-huh. he comes up to, him to say goodbye, and he yeah. says, "Oh, I just wanted to say it was nice meeting you again the other day. And say goodbye." And he shakes his hand. And he goes into Wesley He says, "Of course, I remember, but." I'm still undercover and you never know when blowfelds are
0: back. <laughs> 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 At this oh, point the guys are grown bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. Oh wow, yeah. And and that is that, a, story a like, that's That a, is what
1: Roger Moore was like as a person. Yeah, he was just a great guy. Yeah. He was just, like, Oh, what a great story. That's
0: a fantastic story. But like the
1: only person that I mattered to was him. Like, there
0: there was a movie that came out, and I don't know if it came out in the States, but it came out in Europe. And I remember going to see it because it was Roger Moore and I thought it was going to be kind of a James Bond movie, but it wasn't. And what he was, he was a very, it was funny. He was the leader of a British like anti-terrorist unit, something, SIS, SAS, mm-hmm. whatever it was. Um, and uh, some, oh, like I said, terrorists or whatever took over an oil drilling platform somewhere in the North Sea. Mm-hmm. And he was the leader, and they were the best. His unit was the best, but he was very eccentric. And he was supposed to play it. And I, I, I should look up the movie. And I remember as a kid just going like, "What? This isn't James Bond." But you know, (laughs) there was a lot of action and shooting and fighting, so I enjoyed it anyway. And he was like this eccentric leader of basically these like Navy SEALs, you know. And he used to knit, and he had a bunch of cats, you know. And everything was alluding that he was gay, and he was just like, you know, he had a beard and a whole nine yard. And I remember. I remember back then thoroughly enjoying the movie. And I'd actually really love to find it and look it up now. But I remember thinking like, well, it's kind of like James Bond. But in a, like his weird cousin or something. I'm like, <laughs> what's going on here? Yeah. He, um, I thought his acting in this one was good. I thought in For Your Eyes Only he was really good. They were still... It was interesting to see. He was very... It wasn't... Well, I mean, it was misogynistic, all of it. But he, like, was really concerned for the girl mm. whose parents were killed, Elektra, Yeah. and For Your Eyes Only. And he was just like... It was like he would develop this, like, care... He would... I, I think uh, 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 Brosnan did it a couple of times, too, where he, like, developed... Uh, a feeling for the various, you know, female characters in the movies. But this one was almost like, he was just like, listen, you can't, like he, like initially it was almost like, you're like my little cousin, I'm going to look after you. But then it became like, you know, an Appalachian little cousin thing, you know, uh. so <laughs> he kind of looked after her. Um, the action sequences were really good. Like I said, the underwater sequences, I really, really enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed. For whatever reason, Netflix gave it one and a half Stars And I was like, actually, this is a really good, more movie. Especially when I saw the other ones. Yeah. Like, Goldfinger was, it was okay, but campy. Live and Let Die was kind of bad. Like you said earlier when we were talking, New Orleans is a great extra character in a movie. Mm-hmm. Whenever you get a fantastic city to film in, yeah, yeah. as, as just, like, just the feel of it, you know, New York City, London, New Orleans... Bangkok, you know, Tokyo, like yeah. any, like Black Rain, Tokyo, what a fantastic, you know, place to shoot that movie, you know, uh-huh. it was brilliant. Um, <sighs> for Your Eyes Only to Me might be the best More movie.
1: Huh. Wow. I, I I watched it. <clears throat> I must have watched it half the heels of watching Moonraker and whatever the other one was around that time. God oh,
0: well. I, you know what? I shouldn't say that. The uh, The Spy Who Loved Me might be my favorite more movie. View to a Kill was okay. I I thought For Your Eyes Only was better.
1: I was bored by For Your Eyes Only, but that that, that, I think that was just me because I was marathoning through them. I wasn't paying a lot of attention to that movie. Mm. I was kind of like, I I, it didn't catch my attention. I just kept the thing I kept finding most interesting about it is Topol is in it. Topol. Fiddler on the Roof fame. Yes. It's like the only thing he's ever done apart from Fiddler on the Roof he was in that movie. He was really good in that. Um, yeah. And it, it's so weird. It's like, he looks so young. And I looked up the dates and I'm like, Fiddler on the Roof was like was like seven or eight years before this. Yeah. Like, how on earth does he... And it, that, that was like a famous thing. Like, he actually got the role in Fiddler on the Roof when he was like 30. Right. Like, it was the same as uh, Ron Moody and Oliver as Fagin. Right. He was like a young dude who... Just played Grows old a really well. Beard, yeah, and suddenly yeah, yeah. looks way older than yeah. he is.
0: Because not only did he play well, he was fit. He looked like he'd yeah, be like yeah. a smuggler who'd go out and like have gunfights and whatever. He he was really really good in that. Yeah. <clears throat> I I I I thought I thought it would, in this particular instance I would definitely choose for your eyes only over a view to okay. kill. Okay,
1: I'll give you. I I, I think I prefer a view to kill, but it's hard because that's the one I most recently watched. Um, and I, I liked it for a lot of the elements and few hours only, I, I admit I just, I wasn't really paying attention. Okay. So that's not necessarily the film's fault. So I'll give you that. Okay. Because I I can understand how View to a Kill, because there were a lot of things wrong with it. Like I say he was way too old. It got weird that he had, you know, I think I would have appreciated a lot more uh, View to a Kill is if he hadn't have romantically pursued the young girl. If he'd have, like you alluded to before, if he'd have actually kept it more like a...
0: a platonic thing. Yeah,
1: I'm just going to keep you safe. Yeah. look after you. And it would have been really nice if they made a couple of actual references the fact that he was old and getting on. But that would have.
0: But but you know what I mean. Now that you bring that up, the actress in For Your Eyes Only was awful Mm. in that Electra. Like, and again, it's so hard in these movies, especially the period pieces, to judge, and especially in a storied franchise like this. Where as a director. You're you're not, you don't really have the reins in this now. It, back then, in particular, you know, nowadays, uh, uh, Broccoli's daughter—I forget what her, her first name is. She's very much about let, like let's do the storytelling, let's get good directors, obviously from Casino Royale and Skyfall and all those. It's like let's 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 really let's build a story here and keep going with the story. Yeah. Um, back then, it was just like the directions. The the thing about the girl Electra was she had these piercing blue eyes, Uh so she would always be like it was supposed to be this intense look, but she looked like a wooden like statue next to a cigar store, like kind of like there was really no expression. Like if it was supposed to be this steely eye gazed, it really didn't come through. Her acting was really really bad. Like I really was just like uh, like the only thing that really kind of spoiled that movie for me (laughs) was her acting. Whereas like you said. But View to a Kill had so many, like, McNeese performance in there. You know, uh, uh, um, the storyline, Walkin'. Great song.
1: For uh, Eyes Only, that song irritates me. I don't like that
0: song. For Your Eyes Only was a terrible song. So and really I, terrible. let me tell you something. I, like, used to have dreams about Sheena Easton when I was a yeah. teenager. So Like, oh my God. Like, because she was just fantastic. Was mm-hmm. just absolutely gorgeous woman. Um,
1: yeah, it's irritates irritating song.
0: Yeah, no, no, that's so, so the song the wise. Song. song wise, right now, uh, A View to a Kill for me is is definitely the best one. I
1: think crazy credit has to go to obviously Dran Dran song. Yes, John Barry, who wrote all the classic Bond songs, right up until this is the last movie, he co wrote that with Dran Dran. like yes. John Barry wrote that song. I'm like, what? That's crazy. When you and, think he wrote all those classic tunes and then he wrote. That as well? And, and I mean, oh, wow.
0: that song was a legit hit. Yeah. Like on the charts. It's, Leg- yeah. Legitimately. It was like Because the movie didn't do that well. Mm. But that song far outstripped what that movie did in, in, in comparison.
1: One thing that's very interesting is the incidental... Yeah, the, the way they play incidentally throughout the movie. It's Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes. It's very strange. I'm like, huh... They literally like I guess it's an incidental, like kind of core progression taken out of View to a Kill. Right. That they keep playing like undertone throughout the entire movie, and it is dun 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 dun
0: dun 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 dun
1: the whole film. And it's a combo of both the Bond theme and the View to a Kill, and it's the Yeah. Yeah. it's one note shy of the exact riff of Seven Nation army yep. and I'm like huh now I'm less impressed with Salvation army
0: <laughs> well I mean see that's the hard one because I even know from when I'm just like fiddling on the guitar
1: Yeah.
0: and you know Annie my wife she's just like oh that's really good what is that I said I don't know I don't want to claim credit for it because I'm sure it's something that I've heard over my entire life yeah. that I've combined like three different chords together and it just sounds lovely right now and I don't want to be like, oh, guess what I came up with? Eh, probably didn't. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because so many, and I mean, I always loved music as a kid. Like, you know, listened to music uh, since, since I could remember. Since I was three years old, putting the freaking 8-tracks in the thing, I always loved music and I always wanted to listen to music. Was a DJ in high school, the whole nine yard, play guitar, everything, you know. So, yeah, it's when people go like, oh, that's <laughs> just such and such and such. Okay, yeah, but you know, everyone everyone, such and such and such is probably from classical music. Yeah. And all it takes is a little riff. It's like um when the police did the Russians. Oh
1: Not no. Or
0: was it Sting? Or was it Sting by himself. No, no, it was I think No no, it was it was Sting. And he he borrowed um and he but he gives credit. It was Prokofiev's and I forget what the piece is. Mm. It's the um And and that's kind of like in the song, you know, it's like, he was so, you know, like I said, if you paid any attention to any kind of music all along, what's, what's the band? I think they're actually from the UK, the, um, um, what are they called? The Axis of Awesome? Uh Uh-huh. And they basically... Oh, the, the Australian, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they're an Australian. And they did like four chords and they literally went through like a library of pop songs for the last 20 years. Yeah, yeah, With the same four chords. Yeah, yeah. It just arranges a little differently, you know. <laughs> there are only so many chords you could play, you know, that'll sound good together. So what did you think was going to happen kind yeah. of stuff, so. Yeah. But, um, I mean, now that you say it, I'll tell you what bothered me about *A View to a Kill*, which I thought was the green screen. But you know, you think of all the movies that I really enjoy, the green screen was also bad. You know, the Goonies green screens, the mm-hmm. the, the the Temple of Doom green screens. It's like uh, uh-huh. the the San Francisco the chase, the fire truck chase through San Francisco green screen, like bothered me. I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, really, did it have to be that bad? Uh, it's
1: funny, I didn't know. It's funny you say that because i guess by that point i either i was too into it or i'd kind of fallen out of it i didn't pay attention to that because mm. on the other side one of the reasons i said that i think that was the movie where I, there was a marker of that the quality had gone up right so i think that was the first bond movie that i noticed they weren't using green screen for just generic car shots right it was the first one they had like yes up, they had set up on the car yes like yes. it wasn't a rolling background yes like, you're right they were actually yes. in the car and they were talking yes.
0: no, no no you're 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 right with that with the exception of because they were doing him hanging off the ladder off a truck yeah, yeah, yeah. you know chasing through through, through the streets mm. of san francisco so see so, so now um, and i know this was the rule we established last year when that we was a the,
1: strange move i remember that in the movie i remember thinking when he did that and the cop was like, "Hey, like, who are you?" He was like, "Oh, I'm super And He was like, "Yeah, oh, yeah, and I'm Dick Tracy. You're arrested." And he like sprays him with a thing and, and hijacks the truck. I'm like, "That seems like the weird, the dumbest James Bond move. Almost in every other James Bond movie, the CIA would come and happened, clear it up, right?" He lets himself get arrested, yes. and then figures it out later. Because yeah. Felix Leiter would come along. Yeah, he's like, "Well, I'll let myself get arrested and figure it out because that's all I can do." Right. And Roger Moore's like, "No, I'm going to attack the guy and take this it- fire truck and run off."
0: I'm like. You, you're right you could have just got shot in the head which so is, quickly which is right you're, you're absolutely right and you know until you pointed out I, it was it was the oddball of the maneuvers because in every other situation where he's mm-hmm. in the u.s or something uh live and let die perfect example yeah the cia is there with the chase through the bayou and all that stuff it's like uh sheriff you want to educate the, sh- uh, the the lieutenant you want to educate the sheriff here on what's going on here Hey, JW, these are just, you know, and he goes on with the explanation. But that's what Bond would do because he's not going to start kicking guys' asses who are just cops. So like, that's their job. Yeah. He's not going to start, you know, crippling them. Yeah. Like you said, that was, that was the odd one out. And I had a big problem moments before
1: that, the whole set piece in the elevator. I'm like, that he, he made, there are flames in this elevator. The whole shaft is like engulfed in flame. Yes. And he wraps a handkerchief yes around one hand yes and he's able to grab the cable do stuff i'm like what no (laughs) No way no i'm sorry james bond you're dead in that scenario you're not touching anything yes i'm like it's all metal steel gurney yes and he's just like and it's greased and it's (laughs) greased
0: (laughs) and it's greased yeah yeah. you're done you're done okay now see now (laughs) now that you brought that back up again i would still go for for your eyes only and what i was going to say was what we decided last year, if we can't make up our mind, we would give it to the one that made them more money. your eyes only. Works. And for your eyes yeah. only made them okay. more okay. money. So, so, that's so, fair. so, so we're going with for your eyes only. Uh, a View to a Kill, much better song. Yeah. I might add. In that situation, A View to a Kill goes on. Well, I no, mean, a no,
1: nice shout out to Lois Maxwell her last film, and she had a nice moment. She had a nice little quote of hers. It was like the quintessential money penny, like summing up. Yes. When the young ones there. And he has he has a big bunch of roses that he's he's gonna give to Money Penny, and then he sees the young assistant. And he's like, oh. oh, and he pulls a rose out and hands it to Money Penny. Single yes. rose, and then gives all the rest to her. And he's like, yeah. uh, welcome on your new job or whatever. And he leaves, and and then she's like, oh. And Money Penny says, you know. Take care of that because that's the only thing you're ever gonna get from him. Yes. And she's like, "Oh," and I'm like, "Oh, that's a very like melancholy." Yes, very much a dig. Leave.
0: Very much a dig. Yeah, like you bastard. I've been waiting yeah. all these years, and now I'm a single, single old, you know, uh, uh, maid here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was very much a dig. Yeah. All right. So we got for your eyes only, and then we have the other two more movies, nine years apart: The Man with the Golden Gun and Octopussy. And what you realize when you watch all these Bond movies is just how much they recycle their actors.
1: Yeah.
0: And this one in particular is very notable for that because uh, um, Maud, what's her name? Maud Adams?
1: Oh, in Octopussy.
0: In Octopussy. Uh Uh-huh. She is Scaramanga's lover in The Man with the Golden Gun that he kills.
1: Oh. Oh. Why do they do this?
0: Like I said, they—it's the only franchise that I could think of Why where do they do would. I mean, Felix Leiter in *To Live and Let Die* is Felix Leiter in uh, *A License to Kill*. Yeah. Which is like,
1: what? There's a there's another one, but apparently it's the only time where they think <clears throat> Bond scholars say that there's actually they've they are not they've replaced. He's taken over the title as opposed to it's a different. Yeah, yeah, person, yeah. Is um. M, when M changes in, I forget which film it is, it's Roger Moore, he was, um, because there's a gap. After the guy who played M dies, I think the, in the first Roger Moore, living that die, there's no M. And then the next Roger Moore. What? Whichever the first Roger Moore one is. They're living that like die? Yeah, he, M had died. The guy who played M had died in real life. So they have no M in that movie. They don't. They have, they have a couple of replacement guys who aren't M. Who were just kind of like filling in. M's on holiday. It opens. They're like, M's on vacation. These guys will be briefing you. I'm trying and, to... Um, but
0: M was the same from like Connery to, 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 yeah. to, to Moore.
1: Yeah. It was the same M. the same guy. Right. And then he died between the last Connery and the first Moore. The actor.
0: No. No, 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 no. No, I'm talking about the actor was the same in Connery and...
1: Yeah. I mean, he wasn't throughout the entire one. Uh-huh. He wasn't through the entire one, but he did, like, the last two Connerys, I think. Uh-huh. Or something like that. Okay. But, anyway, my point is that they then, in the next rotomore, more, they bring M back. Okay. But the guy playing M in that was in the last Connery movie playing an Admiral or some kind of other guy. He wasn't M. He was playing, like, a, a you know, Captain Admiral... Of the
0: fleet. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And they
1: cast him. They never mention that. He's just M. But Bond scholars say like, oh, chances are M dies and they he was appointed to the role of M. And that's why he's the same actor from the other films. Oh,
0: uh, okay. Yeah, that's As right. Side... No. Bernard Lee. <clears throat> Bernard Lee. Bernard Lee was still M in Moonraker. Which didn't... He died in no yeah because he, he died in 79
1: okay so i'm getting confused then he didn't die in Yes. okay so he died in between whatever then he died from one more to the next more yes yes And then there's a that's gap right there's no m
0: that's right uh m m uh, robert lee played it till um 81 so he was uh 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 um few hours only it's when think, there is no M. For Your Eyes Only, I believe, was no M. I think yeah. you're right. And then it was Robert Brown who took over okay. as M. And, and he was M through uh, Timothy Dalton. Yes. Yes. Okay. yes but he
1: had been in a previous one, a Roger Moore one then.
0: Yes. As,
1: as an admiral or something. Yes, 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 yes. But another one, which is even weirder when you consider it, when you go back, and they don't reference it for any reason, and it's kind of crazy to me because it makes no sense, is... um the spy who loved me uh-huh. there's a guy in it who plays an MI6 agent who's out in uh, where they are in uh, Japan uh-huh. He, I mean, he's like he's been in there for 20 years he gets assassinated he gets killed because Roger Moore goes he goes to his apartment and he's been in like living the Japanese lifestyle for like 20 years and he's like oh exactly he's this thing where he's standing by the side and then he just stops moving and they're like what happened and he realises he's been like shot in the head and he falls and that's where he chases the Japanese guy back to like the chem plant or whatever. Right, right, right. And that actor who played the MI5 agent right. was the last actor to play Blofeld. He played Blofeld um in uh whatever the next one he was in, where he had loads of doubles where he cloned himself how much times.
0: Oh, I don't remember which that one was. was. that Not Diamond Oh, Not Diamonds Are Forever. Is that the one? No. That's, no, that's Connery. That's Connery. <clears throat> no, I'm not. I, I, yeah, I, I have to get into those and, and see, because I, I still have to catch up to a few of them in, in the Sweet 16.
1: Yeah, but it's so strange, because it's like, why on earth? I mean, that's...
0: They recycle so many of the Charles actors.
1: Charles Gray, his name is. This
0: guy here. Uh-huh. So this is
1: in one of the movies. That's him playing
0: agent. No, he was blow-filled in, in Diamonds Are Forever. He was blow-filled oh, yeah. in Diamonds Are Forever. Of course. With the doubles. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah, I'm getting confused because I thought it was Roger Moore. It wasn't yeah, Roger Moore. No, yeah, yeah. Connery. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: and then he's Blofeld. Yeah, because the, the Japanese one. And, yes, and the he doesn't Japanese... even look different. They don't even make him look like Blofeld. <laughs> no. No, they don't shave his hair. or He looks exactly the same in the two movies. <laughs> yeah, and that's... they never reference it. That's... Other than the
0: fact that he's cloned a bunch of times. That's what I'm saying. They recycled the actors so much. But, but like I said, part of it was, <clears throat> one, they were obviously just looking to make money. Because we talked about that, the Sean Connery movies were like coming out one a, once a year yeah, yeah. for like ten years, which was just crazy when you think about shooting a movie. Um Two, like the other actors, like Q, beloved Q, everybody loves Q. He was paid as a day actor for God's sakes, yeah, as a day actor. It's like, dude, this guy is the reason why James Bond survives out in the field. Because whenever his back is up against the wall and shit's about to hit the fan. He pulls out a pen or a nail clipper or a fucking, you know, cigar or some shit <laughs> and saves the day with it. It's like, yeah. how do you not give this guy a contract? Yeah. yeah. You know, but, you know, Des- Desmond Llewellyn famously said, he said, well, I'll, you know, I love the character and I'll just keep doing it until they'll have me. Yeah. I was just like, God damn. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, it almost boggles the mind. I almost like, how did the union allow that? You know? But they would, like, say, like, well, he would only be, like, one, maybe two scenes. Hmm. What else would you do as a day player? And I was like, oh. you know, I get it, but still, it's kind of, Such an iconic character is being paid as a day actor? Like an extra? Yeah. Almost? Like, now, I know money-wise, they didn't pay him, like, an extra, but...
1: Really? Yeah, strange.
0: It, it's, it's weird. It's weird. But anyway, so the man with the golden gun, Octopussy, two of our main women are in both movies. He's arguably my two favorite um, more movies? More movies so. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I already have a favorite and I can tell you right now, yeah. Octopus is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Octopussy is not one of them. Because yeah. for those of you that haven't seen Octopusy, <laughs> it is so racist. Like we've said before, yeah. <laughs> there's a line where he hands money to his Indian counterpart, that's in the eye division, and he says, "This should keep you in curry for a few weeks." And the guy's like, uh-huh, "Yeah, yeah," <laughs> home, which is just awful. <coughs> and it was a VJ, what's his name, the tennis star, and they were like uh, riding through these like little uh, rickshaws that were like powered by Q, Q. Made it for him, and he's like beating guys off with a tennis racket. And I'm just like, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" That, first of all, is awful. The other question one, was everything that could go wrong with Bond was an octopusy in my opinion. <laughs> There's a scene where he gets away from the prince's, the Afghani prince's uh, castle and they go on like a tiger hunt to look for him. So he's hiding all over the place and trying to get away through the jungle. It's like a hundred guys beating the, the things to get a tiger out. He runs into the tiger. The tiger looks at him and goes like, Dude, you're on your fucking own. I got my own problems, you know, and just yeah. goes in the other direction. And then he's getting away, and he's about to get away, and he needs to kind of backtrack through. To, so how does he coyly and just with the utmost stealth go to get away? He jumps from vine to vine while howling <laughs> like fucking Tarzan. And, he's this Tarzan and they literally right use now. the Johnny oh. Tarzan Tarzan. Completely. And I'm sitting and going like, what the fuck? Are you fucking kidding me? You were getting away scot-free, and then you were like... Ah, it's like, what the... What? I know. Oh, my God. So, besides the fact that in all those scenes where he's running on the track and fighting the Russian KB, KGB twins and, and whatever else to get to the, the the bomb... What's the other one? Oh, so they, they finally... They save the circus, they rescue the bomb. That's the other one. He disguises himself when all the guys on the American uh, Air Force Base are chasing him. This is in West Germany at this point. And so he decides to put on a clown outfit. Okay, right, they're not going to see you. But he decides to put on the fucking clown shoes too. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Love,
1: he diffuses above dressed as a clown. Dressed as a clown. He dresses as a
0: gorilla at one point. He's dressed as a gorilla at one point. <laughs> he, he just, it, it, right, it was, it was like trading places all of a sudden. And then the dude goes and stabs, the bad guy stabs the gorilla outfit and he's already out of it. It's like, how did he quietly like take off like a six foot gorilla suit yeah. with nobody noticing? Um, but th-
1: this is a movie that Spielberg has watched and enjoyed because there is a lot he takes. There's a lot of Indiana Jonesisms in this. I believe this movie comes before Temple of Doom.
0: Yes, but uh well, it probably was released right before. Yeah, because they're right about the eighty-three, eighty-four. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But I mean, it's straight out of Temple of Doom when he served uh, sheep's head at dinner. Yes, and he's like oh he's like oh i get very uh just, there's something about when um my food is staring at me it puts me off my appetite yeah and yeah, yeah. picks up the eyeball and eats it i'm yeah. like that is straight out of templar of dude yeah and then yeah. when he's running on the top of a circus train yeah i'm like the only time i've ever seen anyone i've ever even seen a circus train let alone someone running on the top of it yeah. is in last crusade it's true I like both these things so, so Spielberg
0: so... so Spielberg definitely yeah Spielberg definitely like picked from that yeah for sure but then the, the one the one that really gets me in Octopussy at the end Octopussy was one of those that I was watching while like reading I think I was playing Sudoku and watching because yeah. it was so bad <laughs> like all of it is <sighs> the scene where um, at the end he could say he saved the atomic bomb got rid of the bad guys everything's great But Octopussy and her team of women are now going after the prince because he got away and she wants to kill him. And all her women are like trained acrobats and and infiltrators and the whole nine yards. And they're doing well. They're kicking ass. But all of a sudden, tides start turning. And in comes James Bond as the cavalry, really picking possibly the best conveyance for speed that you could possibly think of. A fucking hot air balloon. (laughs) A hot air balloon. (laughs) He comes in on a goddamn hot air balloon. Who is not going to see a fucking hot air balloon for miles around? This giant glob coming coming at you from out of the sky. And Q is flying it for some godforsaken reason. And they knock a guy over. And of course, all the girls now are like, oh, Q, you're so cute. He's like, ladies, please, I have work to... It was
1: maybe later
0: maybe later yeah right it's like the cherry on top of that Octopussy Octopussy was almost like they were making a spoof of every Bond movie yeah. to me that, that's how bad it was yeah compared to The Man with the Golden Gun was actually a little bit intriguing
1: well it but I think Octopussy suffered for the fact that like I think and The Spy Loved Me and there was a third one I forget which one it is is The Spy Loved Me Octopussy and another one were all Short stories written by Ian Fleming that were published in the same book, that were three separate little mini stories of Bonds uh, that was never supposed to be an entire story, and they've kind of run out of Ian Fleming novels at this point, right? So they're the small, tiny basis, and that's why there's so much unbondy, like right stupid stuff just because there's nothing to
0: do with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: The spy love me. I'm pretty sure it's like it's near enough like. It's a diary of a woman who fucked Bond. That's all it is. It's literally like, just like a sex tale. Right, 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 right. Of a KGB agent. And then there's another one. It might be him actually Secret Service is in there as well. And it's like the only thing that basically has anything to do with Bond in it is a recipe for scrambled eggs. If you look it up, it's literally like, it's about a tangential character and then Bond pops up to to talk about his favourite scrambled eggs recipe. And you can look it up and Ian Fleming wrote it in there and it's James Bond's scrambled egg recipe. Very strange.
0: Yes. So, the man with the golden gun with, famously, uh, Christopher Lee. Yeah. And, um, and who, we mentioned this before in the past, like, literally,
1: if you read this guy's Wikipedia for yes. World War II, you listen to what he did in World War II. Yes. It is absolutely incredible. The man nearly died, like, seven or eight times. It is, like, such a James Bond story. He was a secret, he was a secret agent, but the stuff he was involved in... Uh-huh. is it's incredible oh and i was told to mention uh my cousin from ireland uh-huh. who listens to the show he only just started listening when we did the james bond so i have to say hello to marty out in australia in australia in a minute. but he he caught me on he commented on the group about it about uh-huh. ian fleming about uh-huh. what an interesting guy he is and he asked me if i knew about his, the involvement he'd had in world war ii
0: right. the nazis and right.
1: there's a specific operation called oppression mincemeat yeah, yeah, yeah. Very fascinating, which i have never heard of. Yeah. I looked up. It's, looked it's, it up. it's,
0: it's the D Day invasion. He.
1: It, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he. Um, which is very interesting. And it comes back to the fact that my my wife's grandfather, who's now passed away, yeah. he he Fought sailed in into. No, he sailed into Normandy like a week after D Day. Okay. Missed, missed it. Okay. He, like, he tells the story. He told the story. He got on the beach and literally there's, you know, all these bodies lying around. He's like, whoa, what happened here? Right but came in um, but he he arguably he would have been killed potentially if it wasn't for Ian Fleming because Ian Fleming literally was he concocted this James Bond style thing called Operation Mincemeat to try and trick the um, the Nazis yeah yeah, yeah. into where they were going to come yep because they got wind of the fact that where they were going to invade in Europe was this one spot yep and what they did is they found a tramp, a local tramp, someone in Italy, I think, who apparently died from ingesting rat poison, by mistake. Right. And they found this tramp and they dressed him up in uh, allied officer gear. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they wrote a coded message that they knew the Germans would be able to crack, but it was still coded. Right. That said, you know, the Nazis think we are invading here. This is a decoy. We're actually invading here, and this is when we're doing it. Right. Pass this on to blah, blah, blah. Right. Put that in his pocket, and then let him wash up. Yes. Like, knowing in an area where they knew the Nazis had just taken, and someone would see him, pull him up, found the note, pull all the guys in the wrong direction. Right. And it worked. Yeah. And then the Allies managed to get into Europe yep. because of it. The Americans, I should say, got yep. to Europe because of it. I like, that Ian Fleming. That's that was yep. Ian Fleming, yep. the yep. guy who made Bond. I am like, yep. that's so cool. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: He was, yeah, yeah. We, we talked about it. Like the, the, the character, Dushko Popov, he was a, 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 I read somewhere else that he was Serbian, but originally when I read it was Bosnian, but what, what his nationality was or whatever. But he was a banker who was like tall and handsome, um, but he had a receding hairline. But he was basically one of these guys. He spoke like six, seven languages, you know, so he always, he was a banker, so he mingled with the upper crust, you know, that, that kind of thing. And what's his face? Ian Fleming recruited, and it's like, I, Can you, you know, and it was like, um, there was a book about it, how he got captured and got out and went back again, the whole nine yard. And it's, it's really, really fascinating. There's some really good spy novels that you read about that you're just like, Mm. whoa, this is, this is nuts. You know? So
1: Chris Lee is one of these guys.
0: Yes. Yes. He ended up being a genuine Nazi hunter near the end of his career.
1: He was literally going around he was in a special task force and they were given a list yeah. of all these uh, top-ranking SS top ranking officers yeah, yeah. who had escaped and that were uh, disguising themselves yeah. amongst concentration camps and pretending that they were like prisoners and all yeah. these other things and they were literally going from camp to camp uh, assassinating all
0: yeah. these guys to yeah. take
1: them off the list I'm like that's so cool yeah. and he ended up being it's nuts Lee.
0: yeah Christopher Lee he was the man um, Her Villachez of course he was so charming Nick he like, was. He's
1: probably my favorite, like villain henchman.
0: The whole, the whole. I mean, you see where the Pink Panther got it. Oh yeah. Or yeah. was the Pink Panther first?
1: Uh, oh, when was the Pink Panther? Pink Panther was first. Pink Panther is the sixties. First came out in sixties. Okay,
0: so that must be where they got the idea. Which for, later for, on,
1: for, Roger Moore, actually, Roger Moore actually turns up in uh, Pink Panther. Uh, in the
0: second one or the first one
1: no it's like the third one it's like after Peter Sellers dies oh. they try and it's called like the return of the Pink Panther oh, the or the son of the Pink Panther it's not the son it's something before that there's uh, something else the curse of the Pink Panther something oh yeah, yeah yeah and he plays Clouseau but it's a small role I think and uh, the whole premise is Clouseau has gone missing so uh, they have another guy looking for him and then like he pops up in the end and it's Roger Moore it's Clouseau oh uh,
0: okay yeah. all right well, so like I said, um,
1: that's after James Bond. That's like- Her,
0: Her Villachez is in it. Maude Adams is his lover. Um, the whole thing with the solar power energy, and yeah. he's the top assassin. And of course, the other one through the grapevine that he knows about is the best killer is, Roger, uh, is James Bond, I mean, yeah. 007. And the whole thing about hiring the best assassins to come and try and kill him. Yeah. And what's his face? Tries really hard because he said, well, all my money is going to be yours. So, yeah. you know, you should really try to get me killed kind of stuff. I, I just like the whole thing. Oh, it's a great premise. The, the little car plane that he gets away with. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> how they, they meet like and she just gives the, the bullet that's made, the bullet maker, the Portuguese bullet maker in Macau. Yeah. All of it. This one was actually really, story-wise, this one was a really good one.
1: I think it might be the best word of More Bond, as far as just best movie. Yes. I think think it's the best villain. Yes. I think it's the best written. Yes. Stylistically it works. Of course. I think Nack is both silly, but also like works. I like him. I'm not like this is ridiculous. No, right. No, he's a really good little presence. Yeah. uh... It's
0: it's (laughs) odd because it's like he's a little person, Hmm. but that's not really at issue here. Yeah. You you know what I'm saying? Because it's almost like because it, it's perfect Like you said It's perfect because He's disarming Because he's little But he's a deadly Little fucker You oh, know It's yeah. like that, that, That's the best part He's just a deadly Little fucker And he's more than happy To pull the trigger You know On your ass And yeah. of course They had to belittle him By like sticking him In a fucking suitcase And hanging him Off the fucking yard <laughs> mast I know <laughs> So But
1: it's so great and is the perfect straight man to work with a, Yes. A, a silly little guy like that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> like yes, 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 nigga uh, yes.
0: So I mean to me this is a easy easy choice. Yeah. The man with the golden gun beats Octopussy without a doubt. Yeah. You know? It's all right. I I think that's that's our that's our M region then. And oh no no no! We we have to go for your eyes only versus the Man with the Golden Gun. What am I doing? And you know what? Just this, this to me is easy as well. Yeah, gone, gone. Golden Gun. Golden Gun.
1: And it it also, it's, it seems little, but in the end it got, it does go a long way when you consider some of the other ones and what they've done. Even the title, like I instantly am gonna know the movie. Yes. Like, because all the others, it's, it's, you know, it can be really hard. Casino Rounds, great example. I mean, you're always going to remember Casino Rounds. Right. Like casino. And yep. Dr. No, and can know that because Dr. No, Goldfinger, Goldfinger. Yeah. Brush with Love as well. But, like, a lot of these, like I said, I keep forgetting. Like, you know, A View to a Kill, If you Eyes Only, like, aside from the songs, I'm like, I, it gives nothing away about the film. Right. Man of the Golden Gun. It's a great only... title, and it tells me exactly which one it is.
0: Not only that, A View to a Kill, I hated when they did that, where they tried to work the title. And For a while they were doing it. They tried he to work the did title. That in the
1: last few of his movies, he didn't all them. It like, they they did it with only, Tim- Timothy
0: Dal- oh. Dalton. Yeah, exactly. It's like, why are you working the title into the movie? It's completely unnecessary. And the one with a View to a Kill was so just awkward. Yeah. yeah. It's like it grammatically made no sense. It's like when they were in the hot air balloon above the Sil- Silicon Valley, and and Grace Jones like, ah, "What a view," and Walker goes, "To a kill." What, yes. is, is that a command are we going to a kill <laughs> is that uh, it, you know it was just so why are you doing that and you're right the title of this one is just like it's perfect because like you said like from russia with love is like oh okay this is something like uh, uh eastern europe we're getting away yeah. like great yeah. uh man with the golden gun great uh dr no I've russia with
1: love, in the, the way that that title is and it's cute that's a little he a little postcard he writes to Money Yeah. She's like, oh, well, you know, send me a postcard when you come back. And he's like, well, I'm way ahead of you. She writes from Russia with love. And, like, yeah. and I'm like, oh, and it's classiest, like, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but the other one's just like, what? Why why always have to Yeah Yeah, for that. So okay. So then our M region winner is the man with the Golden Gun. And our Sweet Sixteen entry playoffs are the world is not enough. Versus the man with the golden gun, which is a uh, 16 versus a 19. Mm-hmm. And on her majesty's secret service versus tomorrow never dies, which is a 15 versus an 18.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Those are the entry playoffs then we have. And we can tackle that on the next episode. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. All right, folks. Well, there you go. And um, before we go, lest we fail in our duty as important uh, drink spies. Mm-hmm. What do you think of low Earth orbit, my friend? It's a stout, like we said from the elementary Hackensack, New Jersey. Uh, six point seven percent ABV with fifteen IBUs
1: and one hundred ninety nine SRMs, whatever,
0: whatever that, that is. 2.40 <laughs> co two CO2 and one point oh six eight OG.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, it's great. It's very nice. It's very nice. Um, very nice stout.
0: This is a yeah. It doesn't drink like a stout. I have to say no. Very
1: drinkable. Very drinkable, very light, um, but but also tasty and like tastes of something. Yeah. You know? hey,
0: there's no mistake <clears throat> that this is not a stout when you taste yeah. it. Yeah. But it's not heavy at all.
1: No, 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 no. It's not. Sometimes a lot of these, uh, you know, microbreweries will make a stout and it would just be so like, hit you over the face, like because they're like, yeah, this is a stout. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It is, but like you. Uh, you can only have one of these things. Like, right, exactly. What's the point of a beer you can only have one
0: of them? <laughs> it's like someone put a dollop of mashed potatoes in your beer <laughs> yeah. and here, drink this. like, whoa, what the hell? Or on the other hand, like we've had before where we've been surprised, where it's a stout. And you're like, this, this tastes like an IPA that's just a little brown. I mean, what? Yeah. So this this drinks really well. Like I said, there's no mistaking it being a stout. It's, it has a nice bitterness to me. You could definitely taste the chocolate and eminently drinkable, but at 6.7%, you'll be at a barbecue and they're only serving this and you have three of these and you're going to have to sit down and <laughs> eat some more food before you decide to have another drink. So, yeah. um, I'm, I'm giving this a 4.2. I think this is a really nice beer.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll get, uh, I'll get a 4.1. Just okay. A, a little different, but yeah, I agree. <clears throat> I like it a lot. <clears throat> okay. It was nice, it was tasty, um. Yeah, that no, was a good, good beer. Um, you know, timely. Like I said the black hole thing. Yes,
0: to celebrate the, the first hole. picture of the black hole. Which reminds me of
1: uh, um, of Lee because the first thing I thought when I saw the picture of black hole was like, well, that's the eye of Saruman.
0: The, uh, Sauron. Sauron, Sauron, like, yeah. And coming to seduce Sauron to the bad side. Yeah, absolutely. It's exactly like that. Exactly. And like that. they
1: even said in the in the press briefing, they're like, they're like, well, I mean, even though it's the first ever picture of a black hole, it's technically not really a picture of anything right because you can't you can't technically see it like see no exactly All you see is the uh, stuff around it the light that gravity is pulling around it so you can see the outline of the black hole it,
0: you're seeing the negative space <clears throat>
1: yeah but it's not really anything right to see but still
0: exactly yeah yeah all right well there you go folks that's episode 58 uh we've determined our sweet 16 entry playoff movies and like we said, it's The World is Not Enough, Pierce Brosnan versus The Man with the Golden Gun, Roger Moore. And On Her Majesty's Secret Service, George Lazenby's first uh, and only foray <laughs> into James Bond versus Pierce Brosnan's Tomorrow Never Dies. Mm-hmm. So it's two Pierce Brosnan's going in there in the Sweet mm-hmm. Six, sweet 16 entry playoffs. So there you go. And we've got your review. 4.1 from Sean for Low Earth Orbit and 4.2 from me for Low Earth Orbit. And... Um, That's that for this episode, folks. We'll see you on the other side of the playoffs. Yeah, indeed. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.